Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Simon Pegg on his comfort movie, Day of the Dead. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Sammy, it sounds weird for me to say something like Day of the Dead so upbeat as I was doing the intro. It sounded incongruous. The whole thing, like we were having a conversation and all of a sudden you went into it really excitedly and quickly. The whole thing really just shook me. Look, when I turn it on, you know I can't turn it off. (laughs) It was good. Uh, it was good. It was wonderful. The intro was fantastic, but the yeah. actual main event, oh boy, you guys are in for a treat. Uh, Simon Pegg. We love Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg, frequent guest on Happy, Sad, Confused. Great to catch up with a fellow cinephile, a fellow nerd, uh, talking about one of his favorite comfort movies. And it's probably not a big surprise to those that, that know Simon that it is one of the dead movies. Maybe it's a surprise that it's Day of the Dead, not necessarily considered the greatest of the George Romero dead movies. But What's that was, considered the greatest? Well, Night of the Living Dead, probably people might go, or Dawn, actually. I mean, I, I, as Simon says in the, in the conversation, it's not necessarily even his favorite of the dead movies, but it is the one that I think hit him at the right moment as a teenager. It's his comfort. That's that's the name of the game, right? Um, So yes, Yes. Simon was kind enough to come on for a deep dive into all things George Romero and specifically Day of the Dead. He also came on to talk about a new film that he stars in alongside Lily Collins called Inheritance, which I Ah. should yeah, Lily Collins, a fellow happy, sad, confused veteran. Love Uh, her. Inheritance is now available on DirecTV and uh, available on, on demand and on digital everywhere. So check that out. It is Simon Pegg like you've never seen him before. It's kind of like a really dark, nasty, twisty, scary thriller. That's not my Simon. Not your Simon in this one. Or Lily, kind of a different role for Lily too. So yeah, um, that's the new movie that he was here to promote, but um, really fun to talk to him about uh, Day of the Dead. Have you, Sammy, I'm guessing you haven't seen any of the the Dead movies. It's okay, you can be honest. No, I haven't. Okay. Thank you for telling me I could be, I was gonna lie, but you told me I could be honest. Well, then I would have dug deeper and really exposed (laughs) as the hypocrite that you are. You hear me Googling? (laughs) No, when Um, you first told me, I thought it was Shaun of the Dead. Well, of course, Shaun of the Dead was the the big claim to fame where he and Edgar and Nick Frost really came to prominence. And certainly that was inspired by the Romero films. Day of the Dead is actually, I think it's the second of the Romero, George Romero um, uh, dead movies. Uh, The plot summary on IMDb for you, Sammy, to to tantalize you, is a small group of military officers and scientists dwell in an underground bunker as the world above is overrun by zombies. Um, So. it's pretty cool. And, and Romero, as, um, as Simon mentions, is really, you know, you think about, you know, interpretations of like vampires or werewolves and like those go back way hundreds of years into old myths. Romero really invented the zombie. So, uh, you know, attention must be paid for what George Romero did and created this, this genre, this, this archetype that is now one of the most popular in, in pop culture. I mean, The Walking Dead is probably still one of the top uh, TV shows on the planet, if not the top one, and that all rests on, um, on George Romero's uh, shoulders. So uh, a really fun conversation with Simon about that. Um, let's see, what else to talk? Well, a couple things. Let's get some business out of the way first, Sam. Yeah. I, I wanna mention, um, I continue to do these fun live Instagram conversations for NTV on NTV News' Instagram. Got a couple really cool ones this week. Who we got? Uh, we got Ben Platt. Oh, That's for you, Sammy. That God. one's for you. Oh, 
excited. <laughs> ben, Platt, ben Platt's got a new um, live from Radio City. Uh, it was the culmination of his big tour last year, um, special on Netflix. That's going to be really fun. That's on Wednesday. If you're hearing this, you probably are hearing this maybe on Wednesday. That's today on MTV News' Instagram. Just look on my, on my feed. I'll, I'll advertise it. And even if you miss it, you can go back and watch it in an Instagram story. Um, Kumail Nanjiani, this Friday. Mm-hmm. Love us some Kumail. Uh, we love. He, he is starring in The Lovebirds alongside Issa Rae. Um, that I'm looking forward to because he's always super smart and super funny. Um, so yeah, that's and that's, he's a hunk now. So I, well, believe me, we're gonna dive deep. I need <laughs> I need the secrets. I need the secret Kumail magic <laughs> before I come out of quarantine. Six hundred pounds. Um, <laughs> And then over on the Comedy Central side, we continue with fun episodes of Stir Crazy this week. So exciting. We did an episode with Will Forte. Um, he's got so many things going on. He is one of the nicest guys in the biz. And uh, one of the fun treats in this one is he, he, he fished out. And this was totally impromptu, Sammy. In the middle of the conversation, we we're talking about MacGruber, his beloved MacGruber. Oh, MacGruber! Exactly, how he's working on a new uh, MacGruber series. They haven't started shooting it, but they're writing it right now. And I asked him, like, does he have the costume around? And he's like, actually, they just sent it to me the other day. He goes in the closet, gets out the MacGruber costume, puts it on for the first time in a a decade. (laughs) You got, what an exclusive. I I was on cloud nine. You will see in Stir Crazy. Like, my face (laughs) just lights up. I can't believe what's happening. He puts the wig on. He puts the vest on. Oh, my God. I know. So That's for any, special. yeah, for any MacGruber fans, any Will Forte fans, definitely check out Stir Crazy on Comedy Central's uh, YouTube channel, Facebook page. Um, it's a real, real treat. Um, we were just talking before we started today, Sammy, about stuff we're watching. Mm-hmm. You watched a couple of interesting movies you'd never seen. Give me, give me the good, the bad, the ugly. What you saw? The good. I watched L.A. Story. Classic with Steve Martin, which I had never seen before, and I'm, I watched it a couple of days ago, and I'm still like thinking about it i i loved it so much really smart really funny movie if you, if you want to dig back i was i was quoting you my favorite scene in the film which is the patrick stewart uh mm-hmm. snooty like mater d scene oh. um and uh if you go way back to an early podcast i did with patrick i he even like we went into that scene and he quoted it and it was just like again bucketless moment for me Oh my God! I gotta, oh man, I gotta start listening to this podcast. <laughs> well, you might have, maybe you'll see. First of all, you didn't listen. Second of all, if you did listen, it would have meant nothing to you. But now it does. And but yes, it I, does, love, I, I probably listen to Patrick. I love him. Um, but that's such a smart, funny movie. And uh, yeah, I haven't seen that in years. Now you've inspired me. I'll go back and look at that one. You, um, you have. It's so good. You saw another movie that I think is going to be controversial for me. So I. This is, it sounds like I'm kidding, but I'm not. I okay. am a, I am a, um, avid, I would like to say historian of World War II. <laughs> <What are> you, <laughs> okay, hold on. How long have I known you? What are you talking about? What the fuck are you talking about? Okay. That would okay. be like me, like, like, of course, as you know, Sammy, <laughs> I, I collect, um, chimpanzee fur. Like, you know that well known to be like the world's preempt. What are you talking about? I know. I dropped that. It sounds insane. I read, I would say, about uh, one uh, no, nonfiction World War II book every, every week and a half, two weeks. This so is the a side past, of you you have been hiding. I'm, I'm really not kidding. I'm really not kidding. Like history books I read. Okay. And, I, you're, and you're on the, you're on the, uh, the Axis side. You you love you love <laughs> you <laughs> Mussolini. Mussolini had yeah. 
some interesting Farmer. perspectives. Farmer. No, you know, obviously. Um, you, you should talk to my dad. I feel like, I, I mean, I, you're talking to the wrong Horowitz. I would, I would love to talk to your dad about it. Me and my dad just watch documentaries all day, every day since I'm home. So obviously, uh, you know, it's a, my grandfather was uh, in World War II and, and I have always been a fan of the Atlantic theater. Uh, not, the Pacific theater never really did it for me, but sure. recently I've been, you know what, I got a, Two, two places I need to brush up on. I need to brush up on the Russian front, and I need right. to brush up on the Pacific Theater. I, my jaw is on the floor. I don't even know how to process what I'm hearing. So I went, so I watched The Thin Red Line, which is supposed to be one of the best. Right. You know, Iwo Jima is going to be next weekend. Oh, yeah. But Wait, it's... And, and, mm-hmm. you, should, you should see, by the way, before I forget on that one, that's kind of a one-two. That's uh, Letters from Iwo Jima and Flags of Our Fathers. He yes. made those both in the same year. Um, Great. So, um, though I will say, letters, letters from Iwo Jima is far superior to Flags of Our Fathers. Anyway, well, I digress. Well, for me, Saving Private Ryan is the the end all be all. I'm I'm with you. Amazing, classic. So, knowing that, knowing yeah. that, like I watched, Save, say that's my comfort movie is Saving <laughs> Private Ryan. Okay, it's the first ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. It really puts you at ease. So I watched the Thin Red Line. I was like buckled up, ready to go. Mm-hmm. I fucking hated it. Okay, here's my take on that when I hear that. I think you're going in looking for kind of like... A plot? Histo- yeah, historical accuracy, historical... Um, <laughs> uh, uh, something to chew on as a, histo- as, as a history book. Yes. And like all of Terrence Malick's films, it's a lyrical, poetic um, uh, uh, meditation on war rather than a nuts and bolts plot movie. That being said, by by Malik's standards, it actually has a lot more plot than most of his stuff. Um, I thought I was going to get a lot of Adrian Brody. I had a couple staring off into the distance. I had Leto for 10 seconds. You know the famous story about um, I read that a- a- Adrian after. Brody. He was like the lead that they basically cut <laughs> out of the movie. <laughs> I was like, it would have been so much better yeah. if, they, if they kept him. I was I struggled through that movie. Interesting. I really did. Another one I haven't seen in a long, long time, but I remember loving it. It's a, I'm come on, but even just from an aesthetic, like movie making standpoint, you appreciate it. It was a beautifully yes. made movie. Like yes. uh, there's some and the scores amazing. Yes. yes. Woody's um, in it. We love Woody. Woody's in it. Nick Nolte barking. Oh my orders. god! Um, like there were Clooney great pops moments. up. Yeah, it's kind of fascinating. Uh, the the, the, the stars nice. he got, Sean Penn. Um, I need to go. That's another one I need to go back to. Um, you're either a Malik fan or you're not, though. Like you, you, Malik is not everybody's taste, and that, clearly he's not yours. No, at the end, I was just yeah. It's fine. all right. I'm glad you're okay with it. I forgive you. I forgive you. <laughs> um, that's very interesting. I watched the most recent thing. I watched. Uh, I finally caught up with Unbelievable, the uh, Netflix series. Have you oh, seen it? Nathan Bieber, yeah. um, Tony Collette, Merritt Tony Weaver. Collette. Um, have you seen it? Yeah, that's a fun one. <laughs> that's, a, that's a sweet little comedy. The first episode's tough to get through, guys. Oof. It's a tough one, but um, not that the rest of it's a laugh riot. But <laughs> yes, I mean, uh, for those who don't know, it's basically a story of uh, sexual assault, sexual assaults, and this Oof. horrendous process um, of the victims uh, and also the pursuit of um, the perpetrator or perpetrators, um, and it's, I guess, loosely based on, on some real events. Caitlin Deaver's kind of the star of the first episode. She's in it throughout, but then it turns into kind of the Merritt Weaver, uh, yes. Tony Collette show, and um, my, my wife loves her some Merritt Weaver, 
And now I'm all on the Merritt Weaver train. She's amazing in it. I think I'm going to try and get her on the podcast. But now, now I'm kind of all in on Merritt Weaver. So, yeah. uh, so I highly recommend that one. That was really um, a, I wouldn't say a fun watch, but it was <laughs> very, very engrossing and, and well, uh, well acted by everybody. Um, before we go to the main event, as always, I, I solicited for some of you, your comfort movies out there, the folks that listen and follow me on Twitter, uh, Gretchen, Gretchen Van Walterop says has a couple interesting um, ones, The Goonies, good pick, uh, Never Say Die, I don't know Never Say Die, I need to look that one up, uh, Pretty in Pink, and Big, Big is a great pick. Oh, Big's a great one. Uh, DB, uh, we know DB from a Sways universe, actually. Uh, DB says, always, oh. uh, Ferris Bueller. Cla- I mean, come on, Sways the best MTV correspondent. Okay, I think, this is all, one of your- time. Yeah. all right. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, you brought him up, not me. Sorry, continue. Um, yeah, please. And finally, uh, let's go to Deirdre. Deirdre Hackett says, Fifth Element, love that one. Any Richard Curtis movie, and more recently, specifically about time. Uh, with our beloved Donald Gleason about time is um, is uh, it's a heartbreaking kind of like a it's a good tearjerker. Have you seen that one, Sammy? Yeah, with Ra- Rochelle McAdams. Rochelle McAdams. She's in a yeah. new uh, Will Ferrell, crazy Will Ferrell movie I just saw. I don't think I'm allowed to talk about it yet. A Eurovision movie. I um, love when you do that. Uh, well, movies no one else can okay, see. Okay, I'm just teasing. Okay, sorry. This is my life. This is my fancy life. What can I say? Um, All right. My fancy life also includes not only talking to you, Sammy, but uh, talking to Simon Pegg. As I said, he stars in the new movie Inheritance. It's out there right now on DirecTV, uh, on digital, on demand, um, anywhere you can get um, cool stuff right now. And of course, this conversation, we talk a whole lot about some zombies and specifically Day of the Dead. Here's my chat with Simon Pegg. Well, it's always good to see a familiar face, even in these crazy times. Uh, Simon Pegg, welcome back to Happy, Sad, Confused. Especially in these crazy times. Definitely. When we truly are happy, sad, confused. <laughs> the name has never been more apt. I've, yeah, Maybe. I feel like I've, uh, what, I've talked to you in New York, in L.A., in Vienna, in Moscow, but I finally infiltrated your home. I'm, I feel yeah. like I'm in the Pegg household, virtually at least now. You're in my library. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. how you have to say it too, right? Yeah. Um, so you were just telling me you're 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 doing all right, all things considered. You have some writing to focus on. That's a good thing. Are you? Yeah. Are you are you, are you watching a lot of stuff too? Where you are right now? Are you? Do you have time for that? Or are you focusing mostly on on writing? Yeah, I mean, you know, in the evenings and um, when I'm not uh, writing, when I actually give myself a moment off, um, which is funny with writing because you just basically do it when it when it's coming. You know, wherever you are, it, it, you have to do it. And if you're, if you're having the ideas, you can't not. But when I do um, switch off, I've just finished Ozark season three. People say that, I, I only watched the first season, but people were saying that season three in particular in Laurel Linney, like just kill it in season three. I need to go back. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge Bateman uh, fan, you know, and Laura Linney is always, always, Laura Linney always makes anything she's in better. It's like, right. she's like a magic ingredient. Totally. But the last episode has with no spoilers has one of the best endings of any television program i've ever seen with just the combination of incident music 
acting. It's just like, I had to wind it back and watch it again. It oh, brilliant. Wow. Okay, sold, yeah. sold, a thousand times sold. So um, we're going to talk about a few things. You have a new uh, film called Inheritance, you, Lily Collins. Um, it's uh, a different kind of Simon Pegg that I've ever seen before. We'll get to that <laughs> in a little bit. But first, as you know, we've changed the focus of Happy, Sad, Confused during these weird times to talk about comfort movies. Um, yeah. Because we're all looking for a little distraction and comfort right now. And yeah. you did not disappoint. You delivered a good one. Um, tell us about your comfort movie, The Phantom Menace. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I always, whenever I do a podcast with you, I always end up in trouble. I don't know I'm, what it is. You, we'll try you've to got break some the magical... Street. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my comfort movie is Day of the Dead, George Romero's uh, 1985 uh, Day of the Dead. And it's a funny one because it's not even my favorite of his trilogy, you know, the Dead trilogy for me. It's, in fact, I'll, I'll, honestly, it's probably the least of them. And that's, they're all, and I love them all, you know, but Night is obviously seminal and just amazing. Dawn is the, is the absolute apotheosis of zombie movies. It is the, it is the, the gold standard, a perfect movie, you know. Um, but Day, I say this because I remember once my wife and I watched Wolf Creek, and uh, we found it so upsetting and disturbing. And, you know, as is it's supposed to be, it's, it's supposed to be a brutal experience and it's not supposed to leave you feeling, oh, that was fun. You know, you, you walk away utterly demoralized and, and feeling awful. Right. And the only thing I could think of to do to cheer myself up was to watch Day of the Dead. And it was like putting on a bit of cheese on toast and just snuggling up by the fire with a cup of hot chocolate. So wait, how much of that is... So I did the math. You probably saw this when you were 10 or 11 if, you're, if your parents weren't paying attention. Is, is it about I saw it when like, I was 15. Okay so, okay, so is it about where it caught you as a kid, as a teenager, or is it about the actual um, content of the film that, that makes it feel comforting? Because, 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 you know, it's a little bit weird, you know, we're talking in these, in these, in these crazy times, like the, the movie that I asked you what brings you comfort is a movie about society disintegrating. <laughs> and a, uh, <laughs> so I don't want to get you on the couch, buddy, but um, it's no, telling. I don't, it's not the subject matter for okay. sure. It's, I mean, it's, it's a strange movie. It's, it's very shouty. It's relentlessly talky. It's very gory in places. I mean, just, just gleefully so, but it's a combination of the fact that I saw it, when I was a teenager and uh, I, re I rented it from a video store near where I lived. And then as I, as I grew up and we made Shaun of the Dead and, um, and we, we met Greg Nicotero and became friends with Greg and obviously met George and, you know, which was an extraordinary experience. Um, meeting Greg, who's in Night of the Living Dead, he plays one of the stoner uh, um, uh, soldiers, for those of you who don't know. Josh and I now, uh, you know, it just, just him being in it and knowing that that was like his first, um, I think that was one of his first gigs, you know, and he, he worked on evil dead too and stuff. And, but I think, um, it's just a seminal one for him. Right. And he gave me, uh, as a gift, the, the newspaper that you see at the beginning that says the dead walk, it blows up and not, I'm sure it's, it's a copy of it, but it, it, I've got that frame somewhere. Amazing. And, um, and so for all those reasons, it kind of encapsulates a strange journey for me from being a, you know, a, a sort of video store junkie to, um, 
getting to move around in, in the same world as those guys, the guys that made that movie, you know, Greg's yeah. since become a, 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 a dear, dear friend of mine, you know, we're very close and I can't believe it's, we've been friends for 15 years, but part of that, it, it's that, you know, it's that yeah. sense of wish fulfillment and it's not the drilling into the head or the, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the head without a face, just the brain pulsate, all that stuff's not really comforting particularly. So for, for those that haven't seen all of Romero's work and this one in particular, how would you summarize? I mean, you know, it's, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty easy summary for uh, the setup for Day of the Dead. What's your, what's your elevator pitch of what it is? Well, it's the third one in his sort of, um, at, at what that point was a trilogy. And it just, it parachutes you straight in. There's no, in the same way that Dawn opens up, there's no setup. It's just you're in, and it's, it's a brilliant um, sort of cinematic technique in a way, because it disorients you completely. You are, in a sense, in the same kind of boat as the protagonist. Like, I don't know what the hell's going on here. Yeah, you're in that helicopter, like, where, where, where the fuck are we? What's going on? <laughs> And it starts off with that great moment with the guy on the bullhorn going, hello! And uh, which the gorillas sampled rather beautifully on their first album. And, uh, and I think it's like the Florida Keys or something. It just sort of wakes up. All the zombies start coming out. And it's the classic Romero thing of, of each one has a real personality. And there's these two huge brothers and sort of kick an alligator. And there's some woman with a tarantula in the face. Dr. Tung, who is the first zombie you see who sort of stumbles into shot with the sun behind him and he's got no lower jaw his, his tongue's hanging out and it's a beautiful sort of greg nicotero tom savini creation uh animatronic wonderfully affecting because it isn't totally realistic you know there's a there's a joy to be had in artificiality which we've lost slightly in 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 the uh, you know, in the wake of total realism, which we can achieve now, which is an amazing tool. But there's something beautiful about films from the kind of pre-CG era when you had to make a little agreement to, to okay, I'm going to believe that that plastic head is real. And also the sort of slight frisson of excitement, that always something's going to happen to that. It's going to well, blow up or something. And also even just like the clever, the ingenuity, like you're, you're kind of watching it on a couple levels. Like when a body is torn apart and the head yeah. is being removed, you're like, oh, so I guess his body's in the ground. Like we're, yeah. like, you know, the older we get, the more we, the, 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 the different vantage point we look at it. And um, Absolutely. Right. And there's that great story as well that they, when they shot um, Joe. Um, oh, it's a, a, a Pilato. Yeah. Joe Pilato's death. They shot it on a Monday and they'd left the, 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 the set that weekend and someone turned off the refrigerator and, and, and all the guts that were there to be uh, used as Joe Pilato's uh, viscera rotted. And so when they shot the, the scene, that, all that stuff is stinking, just <laughs> rotting guts. And there's something quite beautiful about knowing that. <laughs> what about, okay, you mentioned Joe Pilato. So the acting yeah. in this film, how would you assess the acting? All with love. It's, it's it, you know, this didn't earn any Academy Award nominations and, and none of these actors necessarily had, like outside of this film, most people are not going to know these actors of, of where else. No. And I think uh, they, they, all the actors really go for it. Do you know what I mean? They kind of like, they absolutely, they really commit to it. Uh, I was lucky enough to meet Laurie Cardiel, who plays Sarah, and we met, Edgar and I met her when we went to George Romero's sort of, um, they had a George Romero day in Pittsburgh when Land of the Dead came out. And we got, and for Edgar and me, it was like 
it was like a make a wish day, you know, because we got to meet Joe and we met Scott Reiniger and, and, um, and Laurie and, and Ken Forey, all these, all George's, I mean, all of George's people, you know, the guy who played um, um, in Night of the Living Dead, who it was Barbara and <laughs> so old. <laughs> I can't fucking, I used to be a, a, an encyclopedia and I'm just a, a tatty old book now with blank pages. <laughs> so we met a lot of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Johnny, we met a lot of uh, uh, his his um, his sort of uh, his 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 players, you know. Right. And and so we met a lot of those guys, and it was lovely to meet them. And I I I love the acting in that film. I think the guy that plays Doctor Frankenstein is great. He's so <laughs> hammy and so <laughs> like this. And and the guy I actually the one person I didn't meet, but who Greg facilitated a kind of introduction to by email was um, Howard Sherman, who plays Bob. Right. And I, I think Bob is one of the finest studies of zombie acting, of acting to a degree, ever. He plays it so pitch perfect, this sort of innocent, you know, this kind of child literally finding out about who he is and what these objects are and, and these, these memories just firing in his head. And it's beautiful. And I, I've, I've, always said he's my favorite zombie ever and it's never been bettered you know did, it's did just you, did you know that Romero considered this his favorite of his own zombie films yeah well I think I read the original script for it as well and it was like about 400 pages that's, no, that's what I read supposedly it was it wasn't quite 400 but it was apparently 200 and they it ended yeah. up being an 88 page script so yeah what, what did that yeah. what did that read like it was brilliant I mean it was very it was much more um complex and it was a relationship piece, as always with George's movies. It was about the people, and it was about their sort of the zombies are simply a kind of a, a mirror up to their own kind of disintegration and their and their value as as living things, you know. And right. it was full of musing, and it was great. But you can see why it never got made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he called it the. Uh, it was intended to be the Gone with the Wind of his zombie films. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's. I love that quote. Um, what else to mention? I mean, yeah, I mean, I hadn't seen this in so long, to be honest. And it really took me right back. Like, even the music, it just brings you right back to that, that, like, yeah. that John Carpenter, Romero, kind of, like, 80s kind of... Strip-back uh, kind of synthesizer. And, and I, I don't, <laughs> just works for what it is. I mean, I don't know if it would work today in a uh, non-ironic way, but um, it works. I think it would, I think it would in, a, in, a, in a way that was, you know, like an artistic choice. Like, now... Yeah you can actually go, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go for this sort of, in a way that's perhaps reminiscent of a different yeah. era of filmmaking or whatever. But Did, um, yeah, there's some, there's some great cues in that movie. When you, when you guys got to know Romero, like before you met him, were you worried that he would see Sean as parody, as making fun of him? Like how, how much of a relief was it that he became, um, you know, a, a friend, a collaborator, as opposed to someone that it, thought it, he was being it was the It was the ultimate accolade really uh, for, for, for all this sort of for everything that's happened post Shaun of the Dead that that for myself and Edgar I'm sure was it was like dad it was like you know it was it was validation from one's father <laughs> and he we, we 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 never went into it sort of with that attitude in terms of it being a parody there was the the worry that he might not get it like you say, and assume that. But he was so sweet. I remember pacing up and down in my kitchen and um, waiting for the phone to ring, and it, and, it, and it was him, you know. 
And it was like speakers of Santa. You know, I was kind of <laughs> like, hi, hi, George. Um, did you like it? <laughs> and he was so lovely about it. And, and the, the, the hilarious thing is that he'd watched it in a, in a, a movie theater in, in um, Florida with a, with, a, with a universal security guard. Like, the, like he was going to steal our movie, the movie that we stole from him <laughs> quite blatantly. Um, and yeah, he was a delight. And it, it was, you know, it's still one of the highlights of my career, that phone call. Well, let's give some arbitrary awards. If you had to um, bestow the best performance in this film, who wins it? Best acting in Day of the Dead. It's got to be Howard for, for Bob. I, I, I just think it, it's Shakespearean. It's truly beautiful. Best scene in the film? What's the scene that will always stand out? Well, I'm going to get so Bob heavy here because he's kind of my favorite thing about the movie. But the, the scene when he clicks the gun, when he's looking at the gun... And, and uh, Frankenstein is saying, oh, it's a, it's a military man. He must have, and he just, <laughs> and he looks up at Rhodes and it's like, I'm going to fucking shoot you. And, he, and the gun clicks and he looks like, oh man, it's just brilliant. <laughs> I want to watch it now. This is, this is a slightly loaded one because it's kind of already happened and there are plans to do it yet again. But um, should there be a remake slash sequel anything to this? It's been remade. There's plans for a sci-fi, I don't know if you know this, there's a sci-fi 10-part series that they're going to make based on this. Of Day you, of the Dead. Yeah, specifically on Day of the Dead. Um, where do you come down on new interpretations of this classic? Um, uh, let me just turn this off. Go away, go away. That's a big question. Thank you. I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's kind of... It's not going to be what it was. I mean, I get why you want to, it's a great name. It's a great sort of, I mean, in the same way that Westworld is a fabulous um, sort of. Uh, it's like an extrapolation. Evo yeah, evolution like, yes. of, you know, you look at Westworld, the movie, it's kind of like, it doesn't know if it's a comedy or a thriller or what. It's a, it's a good film, but it's not great. No. Yeah. And um Westworld is just this, wow, it's an incredible extrapolation of, of, of the core ideas. So, yeah, if someone wants to do that, it's not going to change my love of Day of the Dead. It's not right. going to spoil it if it's rubbish. Right. I'd love to see George make some fucking money at some point, maybe his estate. It breaks my heart that, you know, he invented a genre. That, that whole zombie that we know now, that was entirely him. It's not some old-fashioned Shelley, you know, right. Bram Stoker. This is from the 60s. He took a little cannibalism. He took the, the voodoo legend. He mixed it up, and he created this new idea. And people just use it now like it's public domain, and it kind of annoys me because I yeah. feel like he needs more of a nod. And Greg Nicotero, I know, constantly puts little tributes in The Walking Dead to him. But, you know, I think it's... Uh, if I was Robert Kirkman, I would have a statue of, of George Romero in my front yard. Totally. What's the, what's the double feature you would program for this? What do, you, what do you recommend somebody watch back to back with Day of the Dead? With Day? Well, apart from the obvious one of, of Dawn or Night, um, maybe another kind of strange, maybe like Night of the Comet or something like that. Another sort of slightly mid-80s yep. odd, oddity. Yep. Um, <laughs> because it does words. exist... Yeah, I mean, Bucker, the, the thing is, bonsai, anything bizarre. Yeah. That, how, how does this yeah, even exactly. exist? Yeah, another kind of odd, odd folly. 
Um, not that Day of the Dead is a folly, but it has its own kind of vibe. And it's very much, you know, each of those films came out in a specific epoch. Like, you know, obviously Night's very much about, came out of the civil rights era and, and Dawn's this sort of, you know, um, mid seventies uh, commercialism takedown. And then in the eighties, it's kind of more about kind of vivisection and the humans, the humans become less and less appealing in these movies until in, in, in day there, most of them are just assholes. Oh, totally. totally. <laughs> My wife's looking at me through the window. <laughs> um, it's only sort of Laurie's character and, and, uh, and the guy that played Martin, isn't it? Who, um, who's her, um, sort of partner in niceness right right yeah but yeah you're right 90 percent of society is despicable uh, and that's the point i guess yeah um, oh and then there's the guy there's the him. two the two guys that um that, that she sort of escapes with at the end i love that as that bit with the with the irish guy who who goes to sip his little flask and goes, Whoa, okay <laughs> he throws it away Speaking of despicable people, um, characters, you've given me a good segue to your new movie, Inheritance, which is filled with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, this, is, this is a film that is uh, currently available on DirecTV. It's uh, going to be available on demand, on digital, on May 22nd. And as I was saying in the intro, I've seen you do a lot of things, buddy. I haven't seen you do this um, without revealing the twists and turns of this. Um, yeah. I, can, I can see some of the appeal of, of, like, what, of what hooks you into something like this, but give me a mm. sense of, of what from an actor's perspective, it's so juicy about this concept and this, uh, this role. Well, it was just a chance to, to do something a little different. And um, I've done a, a few films recently that, you know, I've just stepped out of what I think people expected me a little bit. I lost Transmissions was a, you know, a film about schizophrenia. And, um, and, and in this film, I'm playing a really sort of uh, questionable character, you know, with, uh, with a strange sort of uh, hobo haircut. Um, <laughs> yeah, did you have wig, wig approval on this? What was the, <laughs> how, how many? <laughs> I like my second, there's a, I get a couple of wigs in this. Uh, my, the, the sort of dreadlocked, I haven't combed my hair for 30 years one was, was crazy, but the, I do, there's one point when he gets a little bit more judged off, I quite like that one. Um, yeah, I, I'd worked with Vaughn, Vaughn Stein before and um, uh, on, on a film called Terminal, which had been really fun. He's a really, really sort of enthusiastic uh, talented guy and I, he went to the same university as me and we really bonded and, and he sent me the script and it was just a sort of delicious little taut thriller. It was kind of yeah. a two-hander, really. Yeah, I mean, without revealing too much, I mean, we can, start, we can sort of say where it begins, which is with the, the death of this patriarch, um, the, the father of, of Lily Collins' character, who then discovers a secret, namely you, <laughs> yeah. um, buried, buried underneath. And we don't know really yeah. what, why or how or who this man is, but yeah, for much of the film, it, it is kind of a two-hander, which must, must be so gratifying for an actor just to like know you're going into work and just like do dialogue all day, just like I was great all day. Yeah, and and particularly with Lily, we, we I hadn't met her until we got to we shot it in Alabama, and um, sort of literally met. I met her in the in the makeup trailer. I went in and said, "Hey, Lily, how you going? Simon, I'm playing uh, Morgan and." She's uh, she's so uh, just up for it. Do you know what I mean? She's yeah. really, really throws her hat in and she gives it everything. It's so lovely to, to act with someone who will give you 100% on, even when they're not in, on, in shot, you know, because it, it's, it's the best gift you can give as an actor to your, to your fellow actors. And um, we had a little bit of rehearsal and, and, and got the relationship going. And then a lot of it was just these, these very long scenes with me and her just sort of, you know, playing cat and mouse. And um, it didn't help that where we were shooting in Alabama, we were right next to a train track. 
and so much of the time the beat is <laughs> right in the middle of really sensitive scenes and I'm just sort of spinning my web and <laughs> perfect exactly what you want oh I, yeah. that, that's very much on brand for this podcast today because I spent the last 10 minutes trying to find like the one corner of my apartment that is not next to a jackhammer outside my my right. building in New York <laughs> so uh that was um unintended uh product placement for your film apparently um, how, how how is New York now? How, what, it, it, it's been quite a journey, you know. I mean, I know, yeah. you know where you are isn't isn't so great either. But like, certainly, you know, if you talked to me a month ago, it felt it felt like end of days. It felt like Day of the Dead. Like it was like, oh, are we going to literally? Are we going to get out of this? And and there's, yeah. thank, thankfully, we have some good leadership here in New York, at least. Um, thank, thank, yeah, thank you, thank goodness for that. It's insane. Um, I know you were in the middle of of about to start a, a, another ginormous adventure with, with Tom and McHugh for Mission Impossible mm. 7 and 8. You were, you were literally, from what I gather, just hours away from beginning that. Um, I, was, I, like, I was eight hours from flying. Like, I got a call 7 p.m. the evening before my 5 a.m. wake-up to go to Venice just saying, oh, I'll stand down today. It was that. I mean, it, it all happened so quickly. It was, like you say, it was like a, a sort of... Uh, a slightly unbelievable movie, apocalypse movie. Yeah. And then I was stood down until Monday and then stood down again. And then suddenly Wednesday, they said, look, don't come out. We're going we're gonna to close down production. And, and that was that. I know the nature of these films. I mean, nobody makes films in these ways and nobody actually pulls off the magician's trick like McHugh can on the Mission Impossible movies, <laughs> which are so fluid. It's, it's beyond comprehension for anybody that knows how the sausage is made. But um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious, like, I know this one is still very much evolving. Um, mm. Has Benji, like, Benji's obviously come close to death in these past films. Has he ever been actually literally slated to die in one of these films? Was there ever a time where you're like, oh, this <laughs> is it? Well, like, McKeel says anyone's, anyone's fair game, you know. Um, I don't know, because I, I only ever see the sort of... Um, what's been decided to shoot because we get that fairly close to when we actually shoot it. But um, like they didn't give you an alternate version where you're like, well, this time don't move the hand at the very end of the shot. Let's just give it an option. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, um, I think I, I get kind of, I get the impression Benji um, gets off lightly just because he tends to be the, the, the character through which the audience tends to enter this, this world. And without Benji, you'd be all at sea, you know, cause there would be no one going, what the fuck's going on? He basically says all the time. But here's my argument. I'm not trying to get you killed off, man. But <laughs> the power of him then perishing at some point would be oh, all yeah. the more acute because you're right. He is kind of the closest we have to an audience surrogate, a relatable character. Yeah. Um, all I'm saying there was is... A scene in, yeah. There was a scene in Ghost Protocol uh, where the, the McHugh actually changed. He came in and, and just exploded it and... Uh, we spoke about it recently. Um, it was a moment when you think Benji's dead and you see that he's dead, and then but the, suddenly it's a guy and he's got a mask on. It's not Benji, and Benji's alive. And um, but McHugh got rid of it because it just felt like it, it wasn't very realistic. And and right. and he said, "What?" And I was a bit upset. And he said, "Why? Why, why do you? Uh, what's wrong? What, what do you miss about this scene?" And I said, "I just want some. I just want Benji to do something cool." So he wrote the bit when I shoot the guy that's uh, that's fighting with Jeremy, and. Um, and it, you know, I came to understand that McHugh knows best always. Yeah. And I know what I know what happens to me in these next two. I've, so I know I've heard the story from beginning to end. So I, I I'm fully aware of my my sort of fate as uh, as um, as a character. And I think that I'm very excited about playing him 
you know, four films down and, and, you know, he got, he got hung and, and then he's had been, to defuse it, yeah. a nuclear bomb. <laughs> this has got to have an effect on you, you know, and I feel like Benji's going to be different. He's going to, he's been through some hell. A little PTSD and seven and eight. Yeah. Um, um, I'm curious. Uh, so Tom, your buddy is going into space at some point. We knew this was going to happen. We, it, it, the signs were there. <laughs> it's not in our film. It's not in our film. No I've way. heard that. So if, 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 if he gives you a call and says, I, I need you, buddy. I need you with me on this one. Are you going into space with Tom Cruise? Would you do it for him? Hell yeah. <laughs> I want to go to space. That was, what my, that was my original job. That was my original job uh, uh, desire when I was a kid, obviously. Spaceman. Right. And then, then I would have done everything that I ever wanted to do as a child. I wanted to be in Star Wars. I wanted to be a spaceman. I wanted to be in a zombie film. Earn the respect Bucket of George stuff. Romero. There you go. Yeah, you can retire. <laughs> Yeah. Um, what's the latest? Uh, have you talked to Noah Hawley? Do you know what, what what his take is on on Star Trek? Like, do you have any sense of what 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 that is? No, I I, I honestly haven't. And um, you know, I know it's happening. Star Trek uh, was a was a cinematic universe a long time ago. You know, and or at least a a, a narrative universe in terms of next gen and voyager and 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 uh, deep space nine and um uh, enterprise there's always been other kind of worlds of star trek and i think that's probably what they're going for with with noah's thing yeah. um so we'll see i don't know it's all kind of a bit up in the air as i've said it's 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 anyone's guess. And did you ever get i wish i could say i wish i had something to say but i haven't did you ever get any through any back channels or anything like know what quentin's take was what his what his pitch was yeah, it was Pulp Fiction in space. <laughs> I, said, I saw him recently. We were, we were laughing about it because there, there was this big story about, oh, Quentin's really angry at Simon Pegg because he said that it wasn't going to be. And what had happened was someone, someone had kind of, the, the, the idea had come up. And, um, and I'd said, oh, well, it's not going to be, you know, because I felt like they were, they were ragging on Quentin and they were just dismissing what he would do as just being some kind of, you know, Pulp Fiction in space. And I, and I said, well, no, it wouldn't be that, actually, in a sort of defensive way. And then I saw Quentin and he went, yeah, it was. <laughs> I think it would have been amazing. I think it would have been fantastic. You know, oh he's got such a... He didn't give you any more details on what the take was? He just said that? No, he, he just... He, he saw me and was like, it was like, oh, I'm not mad at you kind of right, thing. Because right. I, I, I went to the uh, premiere of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood thinking, oh, shit, am I going to see Quentin? And he's going to be all like, how dare you say that about me? <laughs> and he was all like, oh, man. You know, and it was nice. But uh, even I fall a victim to uh, internet speculation sometimes. What are you? Uh, what are you writing right now? Which of your projects are you working on? Can't say. Can't tell you. Okay. I. I. It's. Uh, it, it'll be announced um, soon. I hope. But it's. I'm. It's. This is a good one. It's <laughs> like. It's. 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 Yeah. It's being made by my. Um, uh, mine and Nick's company, Stolen Picture, and it's a collaboration with some other entities and a couple of actors who I am, um, uh, I am very excited about working with. And uh, it's something I've been working on since 2012. Um, oh. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's the Jar Jar Binks story. It's, uh, it's, it's finally <laughs> happening. Listen, I, 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 I'm all, I'm all. <laughs> I know you've reconciled and, with the Jar Jar. We've come, we've, am, we've realized, we've realized that uh, there was a man behind that, Ahmed, and we wish him the best, and a, right? good, a, a good man and a man with feelings and, you know, uh, all this, all this craziness, all this venom that gets yeah. mixed up about such trivial, meaningless things, you know, you sort of think, 
you know what? Life's too short. Uh, we started this by saying that I usually get you into trouble. I'm, I truly am not trying to get you into trouble, but uh, but <laughs> it's you're a man. You control your mouth. Uh, <laughs> you think? <laughs> um, did you think the uh, the vitriol around Rise of Skywalker was warranted? For was was it was it all fair game? What did you think? Inevitable, you know. I think um, ultimately it's got to the point now when you know. The trouble is that the, the internet has, has, has rendered discourse so binary now, right. you know, it's, it's, it's reduced streams. everything yep. down to a thumb up or a thumb down. There's no nuance. You can't say, you can't say, I, yeah, this was good, but I didn't, this wasn't so good. Or, or, or you can't have an opinion, which, which has varying levels of, of critical opinion. It's just, I didn't like it or I did like it. And you're a shithead cause you like it. <laughs> and you're an idiot cause you don't like it. And it's like, oh, fuck off, you know? Yeah. It's just a film. And so what? So I, I say that as someone who has been, you know, thoroughly um, upset by various things as a younger man, not least my absurd kind of prequel rage, which just got very out of hand. And at the end of the day, live and let live. I, you know, I went to see the, all, all of the, the, the new Star Wars films, the prequel, the, sorry, the sequel trilogy, having kind of left my right. passion of Star Wars behind, even though I think the last time I felt very passionate about Star Wars was um, when I was filming it. And it, it was amazing to be in it. And then that kind of broke the spell for me a little bit. I love The Mandalorian. I thought that was great. Really good, simple, paired, up, paired uh, back kind of, just really, really, really Star Wars, you know, yeah. even down to, 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 to Baby Yoda, who is a genius, genius bit of sort of, uh, you know, plot detail and that you have that, that Star Wars tradition of something that's kind of cute, but it's not a cynical, it didn't feel to me like some other Star Wars characters, which are slightly cynically marketable, you know, he, he has to be as cute as he is because he changes this sort of, um, you know, Ronan, Right, uh, guy, this this warrior cast badass into this little, you know, brings out all his paternal instincts. You're, you're talking about all, all, all the cynical marketing around Uncar Plot and all those dolls. And yes, stuff all, the Uncar, all the Uncar, all the dolls. <laughs> but I'm just waiting for Taika and uh, um, uh, and John Favreau to give me a call, you know, because I, I was uh, Dengar in uh, the, you know, I mean, I'm just just saying uh, <laughs> if, if he was to appear in. Uh, <laughs> All right, the gauntlet's been thrown down. Um, <laughs> I, I, I always love an excuse to catch up with you, even in crazy times like this, and uh, to talk about, to geek out about Day of the Dead and talk about inheritance uh, is a nice excuse. Um, I'm glad that you're staying safe and well. I wish you and the family all the best, and uh, I can't wait, too, to see, can't wait to see you in better times. Yeah, and, and we will. Don't you worry. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. 